in life, many times of trial and uncertainty, many times where we, we may have struggled to trust you, God, but you have never failed. You have never let us down. You have never abandoned us, just as you promised that you wouldn't, God. Lord, we just pray that today that you would be with us, that you would draw us closer to you as we study your word, that you would help us to come to know you more and more and more, Lord. For you are a good God who is worthy of all of our praise, all of our adoration. God, we love you, and we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Well, good morning, church. My name's John. I'm one of the pastors here at Anderson Hills. Just so excited to get to share God's word with you today. You know, I think that when we, when we consider truth, truth is often found in a tension between two things. Uh, not, not, not always, but oftentimes we find truth in tension. Let me give you an example. Uh, for example, it, we all know that it is true that it's important that we eat healthy foods, right? We, we know that, right? We know that this is true, that if you eat healthy foods, uh, that you'll probably have more energy. Uh, you will pr- have an easier time staying in the weight range. Maybe you want to. Uh, you may very well live longer. Uh, there's a whole variety of benefits that any good nutritionist could tell you, right? We know that this is true, right? That's the truth. But we also know that the most fun foods to eat are not usually the healthy ones, right? We know this is true as well, right? We know that that there's a lot of things we eat that we don't eat them for the health benefits. We eat them because we like them and that they are fun, right? And if you, but the experts will tell you, you shouldn't eat those things, right? And if you are blessed enough to live with one of those experts, you might hear about your food a lot, right? You might hear some critique about the foods that you like to eat because you want to eat the unhealthy stuff. And maybe one day you come home and this uh, nutrition expert has, has made one of your favorite things, right? You see there, there's a big old plate of buffalo wings, right? You're like, oh, thank God, right? It must be my birthday or something, right? This is awesome, right? And you bite into one of them, and sure enough, it's made of cauliflower, That's like an abomination, right? I mean, we all know that when God created the buffalo and gave it wings, he did not make them out of cauliflower, right? This is obvious, you know? So there's a tension, right, that we need to eat healthy, but eating healthy is not always the most fun thing, right? And so if you only eat for health purposes, you're going to lack a lot of fun in life. But if all you do is eat junk food, you're going to have a lot shorter life as well. So there's some tension between those things, and we can find truth in that. We're studying this letter that James wrote to the church, and we're going to look at a tension between two things. And again, I think that we find truth right in the midst of that tension. James is going to talk about the tension between faith and good works, faith and good works. He's going to talk about the tension between these two things. The Bible is really clear. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says that we are saved by grace through faith, and this is not of yourselves, meaning it's not our own work, right? This is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one could boast. 
If, if we could just work our way into heaven, if we could just work our way into a right relationship with God, we would think it was all about us. We would brag about it. We'd be arrogant. And God says, nope, that's not how you're saved. You are saved by grace through faith. That's how we are saved. So it's really straightforward. Our sin problem was so bad that none of us could solve it on our own. Our sins separate us from God. God is perfect, holy, and righteous. We are not. And so our sin problem has created this chasm between us and God. So that means that we needed God's grace. We weren't going to just be saved by living better. You can't be saved just by doing nice things, by helping old ladies across the street, or by not living like a Kardashian, or whatever the thing it is you're trying to do or not do. No, that's not what it's about. We, we are saved as a, by this gift of God, which is grace. How do we receive that grace? We receive it by faith in God, by trusting in God, trusting that God's word is true, that, that Jesus loves you so much that he gave his life for you. This is a relationship, and it's all based on faith. Because the fact is, we can't see God. We don't usually, at least, audibly hear God. So we have faith in this God. We trust in God's word and what he says, that he, that Christ is the foundation of our salvation. So we're saved by grace through faith. But remember, there's a tension here. If we take this too far and we think that faith is the only thing that matters, then we'll make some mistakes. We might come to the false conclusion that my actions don't really matter. If it's just all about being saved by grace through faith, then does what I do really matter? Can I just, you know, pray some little magical prayer and then just do whatever I want to do someday and then die, go to heaven, there we go, that's how it works. No, James disagrees. This, that's the beginning of a relationship with God, that, that prayer, that faith, but there's more to it. James 2, 14, he says this way. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say that you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Interesting. James is implying that it's more than just faith, that that real faith is going to be backed up by actions as well. James assumes faith here. Faith is foundational, but, but the problem is that faith is intangible, right? It's invisible. Like, I can't just look at your photo and decide, does this person have faith or not? You can't just see that like you can see that I have hair or don't have hair, right? Like, there's more to it than this. So, so it's impossible for others to know that we have faith unless they see it through our actions, because real faith leads to action. He explains this in the next verse, verse 15. Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye and have a good day, stay warm, eat well, but then don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself is not enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Wow. It's a strong statement. And he gives this very tangible example. You see somebody who's got nothing and you're like, hey, hope things go better for you. Good luck. It doesn't seem like you really care too much. If you've got the ability to help, why wouldn't you help? If you really want their life to be better, why wouldn't you do something about it? 
faith without actions, faith unless it produces good deeds, is dead and useless. You see, lots of people will give lip service to Christianity, but Christianity is more than just what you say. It's also what you do. It's, it's a lifestyle. Lip service, it doesn't cost you anything. We can talk all day long. Lifestyle costs you everything. That's making Jesus the Lord, the leader of your life. That's a costly thing. That's a costly thing. You know, God, we might say, well, but does God need my good works? Is, this, is he like short-staffed on this? Or what? No, God's all-powerful, right? It's not that God needs my good works. It's that the world needs these. The world needs our good works because God left you and I here. God put you and I here to be like his good works delivery system, right? He works through the church. He works through us to, to bring about good things in the world. I'm so passionate about the church. I believe the church is the hope of the world because God has put us here, not just for our own purposes, but to, to live this out and to love others, to, to love the world around us. Verse 18. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith and others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. So some are trying to take this either or, right? That I have faith, really strong faith. Not a lot of actions. Others, no, I don't, I don't have a lot of faith, but I've got a lot of good deeds. I to do a lot of good things. James says, no, it's not about that. It's not either or. It's this tension between the two, my faith and my good deeds. It's not either or. I need to have both of these things. I need to have both of these things. You see, good deeds are evidence that your faith is dynamic. That means your faith is real, that it's powerful, that it's life-changing. Good deeds demonstrate that. Otherwise, I'm just a lot of talk if there's, there's no action there, right? Good deeds are evidence that your faith is dynamic, that it's real or powerful. Now, maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, man, James, you're kind of overstating it. You're making too much out of this good deeds because we know we don't work our way into heaven, so you're kind of overvaluing this? Then he explains why. Verse 19. You say that you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. Ouch. Even Satan <laughs> believes in God. Even Satan knows that God is real. We see this, we saw it tangibly throughout Jesus' ministry. When he would encounter the demons, they knew who he was. They knew how powerful he, that he is. Satan knows this. It's not just head knowledge. So I'd ask you a simple question. We get this right from James. Is your faith, is it dynamic or is it demonic? I say, oh, that sounds terrible, demonic, right? But he's comparing it. He's saying that if your faith is all up here and no actions, you got the same faith as a demon. Oof, I don't want that. I don't want that at all. And, and maybe you're here and you're like, oh, I thought it was, I thought it was good enough just to, just to believe. I thought just, just to trust, right? Or I, I've got a lot of head knowledge about God. Like I know a lot of stuff. Isn't that, isn't that enough? Isn't that all I need? Well, Satan has a lot of head knowledge too. 
he's been, <laughs> he's been hearing God since, well, long, to, long time ago. He's been hearing the voice of God, we know, since at least the Garden of Eden, right? You could, uh, the devil, he knows the Bible, right? We saw that when he tempted Jesus in the wilderness. You could go on Bible Jeopardy, but you versus a demon, you're probably going to lose. They know this stuff, okay? The knowledge is there. The question is, what does it do in your life? Satan knows all of this stuff, but here's the difference. He doesn't surrender himself to the lordship of Jesus, he doesn't make Jesus the Lord, the leader of his life. He doesn't say, I, I, I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so thus, I'm going to live this out. I'm going to live this out. It's, it's going to impact the way I live because this belief is so powerful. I can't just have it in my head. It's got to be more than information. It's got to lead to transformation. Information that doesn't lead to transformation just doesn't do much for you, my friend. Good works are where the real transformation shows up. We all know that knowledge without action isn't worth much. I'll give you an example. In, in high school and then at a, a little college, I, I played soccer, right? So I got to do a lot of running back in those days because if you're going to play soccer, you've got to be able to run for a long, long time. Those games are 90 minutes. You often don't sub out. You get one break at halftime. It's like 10 minutes. So you have to have a lot of endurance so I did a lot of running, a lot of miles. So here at 42 years old, I can talk to you a lot about running, right? You want to talk after church, we can talk about it. I can talk about how to be faster, how to have a greater endurance, right? How to stretch, how to stay healthy, all these kinds of things, right? I'm not like putting myself as like an international expert, but I know some stuff about running. And we might talk and you'd be like, wow, he, he knows quite a bit. He must be a really good runner, right? And then we could go for a run together. And within three minutes, you would see, I am not a good runner, I'm going to be like panting, struggling, suffering. Why? Because my knowledge doesn't lead to deeds. I haven't actually gone running in a long time other than occasionally jogging across the parking lot, which doesn't really count, right? Like there's knowledge, but who cares? Who cares? It's got to be more than that. Real transfer transformation happens when the good works show up. Spiritually speaking, some of us are kind of like my running. We know about stuff. We talk the talk. But we aren't really serious about walking the walk. And it shows up in our lives. It shows up when somebody does something to make us mad and we just lose our minds. It shows up when we get a bonus and we, we blow it all on ourselves. It, it shows up when we gossip. It shows up when that person at work starts flirting with us and we play along, whatever. Needless to say, James doesn't think too highly of this knowledge or information without transformation. Verse 20, here's what he says about it. How foolish... Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Just as the body is without breath, so faith is dead without good works. And he repeats it there after a couple examples in verse 26. Just as the body is dead without breath, so faith is dead without good works. 
Let me ask you a question. What are you doing today that you wouldn't be doing if you didn't know Jesus? Tangibly speaking, you might say, well, one of them, I'm here right now. Good. That's great. That's a great start. Worshiping God is obviously one of these. This is awesome. How is your life different? Just think about the various aspects of your life. If, if you didn't know Jesus, would your finances look any different? If you didn't know Jesus, would the way that you handle conflict be any different? If you didn't know Jesus, would your anger be, be expressed any differently? If you didn't know Jesus, how would your parenting or marriage or whatever it may be, how would it be different? You know, I think for, I'll speak for myself. On the one hand, those questions give me reason to say, thank you, God. If it weren't for Jesus, my life would look a lot different in a lot of ways, and none of them would be better, let me tell you. But also, there's other ways I look and say, oh, it needs to be more different. I need, these are areas where Jesus, he wants to be the Lord. He wants to be the leader. As we say all the time, there's no part-time lords, right? Giving my life to Jesus, making him the leader of my life, says John is no longer the leader. Now Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the leader. And don't misunderstand, he's not saying, he's not saying that we work our way into heaven. We know we can't do that. Again, saved by grace through faith. What he's saying is, is that a real faith shows up with good works. A real faith naturally leads to good works. Your works really do matter. Your works show that you love Jesus. Your works are going to change the world for him. They really, really do matter. I mean, think of it in another context. Imagine if you, you got a new job, right? You, you, you got hired at a brand new job, and you went in on day one, and it was all about onboarding, right? And they're, they're teaching you all the stuff, and you get the employee manual, and you read that, and the boss, she shows you around and explains what you're going to be doing, and what your role and responsibility is, and how you're going to spend your time, and the end of this day comes, and you go home, and, and it's been like drinking from the fire hose, but you're like, no, I get it. I get it. I know the stuff. I know what is expected of me in this job. I, I know exactly what I need to do. The next day, you show up. You've been there about a half hour. The boss walks by your office, and you're sitting there at your desk. You got your feet up on the desk, and you're playing games on your phone. And your boss comes in, and she starts chewing you out like, what are you doing? Like, you've been here 30 minutes. You haven't done anything yet. You got you to gotta get to work. Would you say, oh, oh, relax. I know the stuff. I paid a lot of attention yesterday. I know everything that is expected of me in this company. Have a great day, boss. Nope. <laughs> we don't care how much you know. We want you to get to work. Because if you know it, you're going to do it. That's just natural, right? And the same is true in our faith. 
if you know these things, if you believe in Jesus, if you believe that he's changed your life, if you, believe, if you believe that he wants to use you to change the world for him, James says, we ought to get to work. We ought to apply this because faith is dead without good works. Knowledge without action doesn't really accomplish much. You know, one of the Bible's favorite metaphors for our relationship with God is marriage because there's no stronger human relationship than marriage, right? Uh, and, and Jennifer and I, we've been married for 21 years, and uh, so some of you would say, wow, that's a long time. Others are like, wow, you're just getting going on this till death do us part business, right? And, and you know, the thing is that I love my wife very, very much. I mean, I can't tell you how much I love my wife. I could spend all day telling you how much I love my wife. And you could say, is that all? Did you tell me everything? No, I, I couldn't accomplish it in one day, right? Like, it's that much. It's that big of a deal to me. It's that big of a deal to us. But if I say these things, and then you see Jennifer and I, and I never do anything with her, I never take her out on a date, I never get a gift for her. I never say anything nice to her. Uh, you see us pass in the hallway at church, and we both kind of look the other way. You'd be like, do they really love each other? I mean, they talk about it, right? But I, I don't see any evidence of this. I, I, it doesn't, I don't see any ways that they show that they love each other. And, and, if I, and if you ask me, you're like, hey, John, you say that you love her, but I don't ever see anything that you do that shows that you love her. What if I said, well, that's okay, because you weren't there on June 16, 2001, when I told her that I love her, and I would love her the rest of my life. That's, so we're married. Now you know. <laughs> you wouldn't be impressed by that, would you? Because just because we said something just because we said something 21 years ago, that matters. That's why we're married. It's, it's, it's legal. It's with the state, right? It's, we are married because of what we said that day. But it's so much more than that. Our marriage is, it was done on that day. It, 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 it happened that day, but it is demonstrated throughout our loving acts for each other the rest of our lives. So it is with the Lord. You may remember when you gave your life to Jesus, and that was the beginning of the most awesome decision you could ever make, the, the best, the most significant relationship of your entire life. That's how it all began, but it continues. It is demonstrated in the way that we show our love to Jesus, in the way that we serve others, in the way that we give of our time, our talents, our energy, our finances, our, our passions, our, all these things, it's demonstrated. Our love for Jesus is demonstrated through these things. And this is why James says, faith without works is dead. So I challenge you today, friend. How alive is your faith? How dynamic is your faith where might the Lord be calling you to, to take another step forward in faith? And maybe you're here and you're like, gosh, I, as I listen, I realize there's not much evidence at all. Well, friend, 
Ask the Lord where you might start. None of us around here are perfect, have got it all together. We're all, we're all works in progress. But ask him where you might start. And I believe that the Holy Spirit will lay that on your heart. Maybe, maybe if you look at your life and you ask that question, how would my life be Jesus, different if I didn't know Jesus? Maybe you see all sorts of ways that your works are congruent with your faith. Give thanks to God. That's awesome. That's awesome. But never stop asking him, Lord, what else? How can I grow closer? How can I grow closer? Because while I can talk about 21 years of being married, if you ask me in another 20 years, how's your marriage? And I'm like, you know, it's pretty much the same as it was 20 years ago. (laughs) Well, that's lame. (laughs) 20 years and no growth, right? Good relationships grow because we keep investing in them. And the same is true in our relationship with God. That we continue to invest in this relationship with God. And he, through his sanctifying grace, that grace that helps us to be holy as he's holy, he keeps drawing us closer, drawing us closer, making us more and more like himself. That's what our God does. So I'm going to pray in just a moment. And, and maybe for you, the starting block is, is actually with faith. Maybe you look at this and you say, you know, I, I don't know that I have that faith in God. I don't know that I've ever given my life to Jesus. Honestly, I've been trying to work my way there. I've just been trying to, my goods outweigh my bads. I'm a pretty good person. I thought I was okay. That's not how it works. Today is the day, the Bible says. Today is the day of salvation. Today can be the day where you pray and you give your life to Jesus And you ask him to come in and to start that relationship of faith. There is no better decision. There's no better decision that you'll ever make than that one. Maybe for you, you'd say, well, I I made that decision, but, but my works, they're not necessarily congruent with that. There's this area or this area or this area. I'm, I'm going to pray and, and, and just ask that the Lord, through the power of the Holy Spirit, would give you strength would give you strength for your faith and your deeds to be aligned. So God, we give ourselves to you. We confess that we can't do this on our own. Our sins our sins have separated you from or us from you. And you've been pursuing us all of our our lives. God, sometimes we've been running. I pray for the one who's been running maybe for years or decades or for their entire life. God, may this moment be the moment that they sense in their spirit that you're calling them, that you're welcoming them home, that no matter how much they've messed up, God, that it's not too much for you. For Jesus, you took all of our sins when you went to the cross. You paid that price so that we could be made right with you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Jesus, I ask that you'd come into my life. Would you save me? Would you change me? Would you forgive me? I want to trust in you, oh God. And God, I pray for for those who, as we look at our lives, we remember with great joy that commitment we've made to you. 
Thank you, Jesus, for those people who told us about you. For those moments when we gave ourselves to you. When we made that decision. Maybe it was in childhood or teen years. Maybe it was later or even so recently, God. We just give you thanks and praise. And God, we just ask that you would help our faith to align with our works. We confess that there's some areas that, that don't align. In this moment of silence, we confess those things to you right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Thank you, God, that you are a God of mercy, love, kindness, grace, and truth. We want to encounter your forgiveness and your love. We want to go and we want to turn from our sins and turn towards you. We want to follow you, Jesus. I pray that you would give us a dynamic faith, a faith that isn't stuck in our commitment years ago. No, a faith, a faith that is life-transforming. We want a faith that changes us, a faith that helps us to follow you each and every day. God, would you give us that kind of faith to truly trust what you say? For you are so good, God. We love you. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.